Hi, everyone, and welcome to uh, this new episode of uh, Conversations in Momentum, brought to you by the teams at Momentum Transport Consultancy and Momentum Transport Canada. I'm Maylis Garden. And I'm Joe Tang. Thank you very much for joining us today for another episode of Conversations in Momentum. It's been absolutely fascinating hearing everyone's transport highlights and stories so far and looking forward to a bit more of that today. Yeah, no, me too. Um, I have to say, it's been really great to be part of all of this podcast so far. I think one of my uh, favorite bits from uh, season uh, one was um, hosting uh, some of our directors and getting to hear all about their own transport experiences and uh, and, and and the wide range of of uh, schemes that they've been involved with over over the years. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, always nice to be able to sit down and pick someone's brains, especially when they're the experts that we've got to hand. So let's get started. And um, today, absolutely delighted that we are joined by our colleague Nico Vassetti. And Nico joined Momentum in October 2022 and sits uh, as part of the planning team. Uh, prior to this, he managed research projects for the Think Tank Centre for London. Nico is passionate about creating new developments that not just towards making sustainable choices and are accessible to everyone. Thanks for joining us today, Nico, and very warm welcome. Thank you for having me. Great to have you on the podcast, Nico. Uh, So to kick things off, we always start by asking our guests to share a story or a highlight from their career. Now, this could be absolutely anything that they've got um, from the top of their mind that's transport related. So putting you on the spot from the word go, uh, would you have an interesting highlight that you'd want to share with us? Something that sticks out uh, is when I was in my previous role at Centre for London. We were working with the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea in London uh, over a year-long project to help them manage pressures on their high streets coming out of the pandemic, uh, and especially looking at movement along Kensington High Street. Uh, I don't know if you know that's that high street. It's a bit like Oxford Street in a way in that it has a real contention uh, between creating a high street that is safer for vulnerable users and more pleasant to spend time on. Um, while preserving its function as a main gateway in and out of London city centre. And this kind of leaves a situation where every year's group uh, feels a bit shorthanded uh, and there's a conflict between different interests, pedestrians, cyclists, public transport users, taxi drivers, uh, just to name a few. And so uh, my colleagues working on that project had... um, the fun and interesting idea to take councillors, amenity groups, uh, local representatives from employers or landowners on a bike ride and a walking tour of the high street uh, to get them to experience the area in a different way. And uh, it was it was a f- fun one to deliver, a bit challenging, but uh, I thought, wouldn't it be great if we had more opportunities to do that, to help bridge some of the very divisive positions um, that are currently kind of exist around the place of the car in the city uh, when many cities in the world, um, but also kind of understand, for many people to understand the place, the impact of the car on road safety uh, all the way to carbon emissions. Thanks, Nico. That's a, that's a really, really great story. And actually it really leads into a, a, what we wanted to talk to you about today, which is, um, which is road safety and in particular Vision Zero. And for anyone who isn't familiar with the expression Vision Zero and doesn't know about that, 
topic um, too much, perhaps you would be able to give us a bit of an introduction as to what that means. So there's there's a lot of things we're aiming to bring to zero at the moment, but uh, Vision Zero is uh, a global initiative to get to zero deaths and or serious injuries resulting from road collisions. And uh, it's been adopted by many cities in the world, uh, including London. And um, I guess I'll speak a lot about London uh, because this is where I've been working uh, for most of the past 10 years. But Blackpool was actually the first British city to declare a Vision Zero target. And that was back in 2007. Uh, so they've been pioneers. And in London, it was introduced in 2018. And so uh, the plan has been to eliminate all roads, deaths and injuries, uh, serious injuries from roads by 2041. With an interim milestone, uh, which uh, was in 2022. And the objective was that by 2022, uh, there would be a 65% reduction uh, in the number of people who are killed or seriously injured on London streets uh, compared to levels uh, in 2005 to 2009. So that's, that's in a nutshell what we're talking about. That's really interesting stuff. And, and obviously, it would be an absolutely amazing goal for London or, or any city to achieve, wouldn't it? In terms of London's progress so far, uh, do you know how it's doing against those targets? So um, we, uh, the latest kind of progress report that we have received from Transport for London um, showed us that in 2019, London had reduced the number of people killed or seriously injured by 39%. Um, so the, if you remember the, the baseline, the aim for 2022 was 65% reduction. We're at 39% in 2019. In 2020, we edged up to a reduction by 52%. Uh, so closer to the 65% reduction, um, but that was under pandemic road conditions. Uh, we don't yet have the 2022 data, uh, but it's very likely that we have not reached the milestone we were aiming for in 2022 uh, of a 65% reduction, uh, simply because most people have been kind of returning back to normal uh, as we come out of the pandemic. Um, but, you know, that said, um, you know, we, we have made good progress and I think we'll talk about these shortly. So, so that's, that's really interesting to see this major ambition and then the interim milestones and, on how somehow progress is not quite mm, catching up with that ambition. Nico, I was wondering if you could maybe share some insights as to why you think that progress might be slowing down just now. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe before we go into the kind of why it's slowing, it might be worth touching on kind of what's been achieved in recent years. Uh, and maybe we understand where we're kind of falling short. Um, but it's, it's, I don't want to play down that there have been some real achievements. Um, the probably want to focus on four of them. The first one is bringing down speed limits on local and city roads uh, to 20 miles per hour. Uh, it's been done across the UK. In London, many boroughs have been doing it and Transport London as well. And it's really key to achieving Vision Zero is reducing vehicle speeds. But um, there's still way to go on doing that. Um, in London, for instance, you've got about a third of boroughs, uh, which haven't really done a comprehensive uh, change to speed limits to reduce them. Um, so I think that's one, one first area for progress. The kind of second element uh, 
where I think we've, we've been successful uh, is uh, Transport for London's program to redesign uh, all the accident hotspots in the city. Uh, and that's providing street layout changes that will slow down speeding drivers, improve visibility. Uh, and that's, for example, elevated crossings, pedestrian priority crossings, uh, roundabouts, pedestrian islands for intersections that are really difficult to cross, speed bumps uh, and narrowed roadways that slow down vehicles. Uh, you could count into that the expansion of the network of cycleways and quietways, um, which kind of provides self, safer routes for cycling or riding an e-scooter um, and uh, and protect vulnerable users in doing so. And, and on that front, uh, even though we've had an ambitious program, um, as we all know, our roads were designed for the car uh, in, in many places in the city, as well in the UK. And uh, and therefore, that's a program that really needs, uh, needs to continue, um, especially in a context where we know uh, Transport for London is, is, is short of funding to do this. The, the third aspect is safety standards for lorries. And um, there's been an incredible progress here uh, from Transport for London uh, in uh, effectively licensing the bigger vehicles that come into the city to make sure that they have really good visibility of their surrounding environment as much as it's possible um, and that vehicles that do not meet, meet those minimum safety standards cannot operate in London. Um, and that's, for instance, including kind of windows on the side uh, so that um, a, a lorry driver can see whether it's being passed by a cyclist. Um, and that's been a, a real sea change, I think. And um, yeah, so I guess maybe where I could I could just come in is kind of I touched upon it, but say um, kind of where we still have a lot of way to go before reaching net zero and and death and serious injuries. Um, we've talked about the fact that our roads and streets were designed for cars and to move as many cars as possible as quickly as possible, um, and this is something that we need to change. Uh, to ensure that intersections are safe for pedestrians uh, or cyclists. And uh, we've talked a bit about kind of staggered pedestrian crossings or places where there's no pedestrian crossing at all and how you improve that, how do you widen pavement uh, or provide advanced stopping lines for cyclists so that they can stop ahead of vehicles. Um, the I guess the big item that's outstanding is compliance with speed limits. Because we can lower the speed limit all you like, uh, but if compliance is patchy, um, then um, you're going to struggle to to reach vision zero. And I think that's understandable from a driver's perspective, that if a road has been designed to accommodate faster vehicle speeds, uh, and if they think that they are unlikely to be caught speeding, then it's very tempting to go faster than the speed limit. Um, but of course, um, kind of you forget quickly that you're prone to human mistakes and that these mistakes are more likely to be deadly the faster you drive. And so while we can improve the way we, we check on speed limits and, and controls uh, with you know not just cameras that measure speed at different places, uh, but cameras that measure your average speed over a journey, uh, so taking a photograph of your uh, license plate you know, at different points and see if you have been going faster than the speed limit at all over that stretch. Um, but beyond this and the kind of enforcement, um, you can't monitor every street in the city. And therefore, that's where we come back to design and designing for safer speeds. 
So I just wanted to come in, in if, if that's all right, because I think that's just really interesting what, what Nico is, is saying. And when we look at the, the, the fast or slow progress of Vision Zero over the, over the years that it's been introduced, it feels like the, the sheer scale uh, at which we need to implement this, this changes just makes it difficult in the sense that possibly the low-hanging fruits, the sort of low-cost, easy fixes have been done. And um, I think what you're saying, Nico, is that they are having a really good positive impact now is more how it gets systematized across the entire city, isn't it? That's that's the case uh, for sure. And it's expensive to uh, change our highway layouts, as we all know. Um, but um, it's, you know, it's got hugely positive impacts in terms of, of road safety. Um, and then there's another piece which we might not touch on today about um, kind of reducing motor traffic where it's possible and uh, and especially avoiding the instances where you've got uh, bigger vehicles, lorries at the same time as vulnerable users on the same piece of street or road. Uh, and that maybe is one of the ways that you can improve safety without uh, kind of rolling out this massive infrastructure investment to make roads safer, which we also need to do, but will take time. Absolutely will. I mean, that, that's all such interesting stuff, isn't it? And such a huge wealth of factors to consider and to overcome for all the parties involved. Um, keeping all of that in mind and you know, all those items that you've highlighted, Nico, what are your thoughts on whether you think getting to Vision Zero is an achievable goal for London or, or I guess any other city in the world for that matter? Well, that's a very good question because some people are saying or have been thinking, uh, you know, if uh, if the goal is to reach zero and London is slowing down that goal, is that a goal we should keep or should we ditch it? Um, and actually, there are cities that are proof of what can be achieved. Uh, Oslo and Helsinki um, have uh, kind of both reached vision zero at some point. Uh, no one was killed on the streets of either city in 2019. Uh, and in 2020, uh, no one was killed on the roads in Helsinki and one person was killed in Oslo. Um, so I think it, it kind of shows you it's, it's a game definitely worth aiming for. Uh, and just two reasons for that. The first one is it's, it's, it's doable. Um, the second one is if we don't go for that aim, then what level of acceptable deaths and injuries on the streets do we settle for? Uh, the, is the fact that London is a very big city mean that we cannot achieve that goal? I don't quite think so. Thank you. Thank you for saying that, Nico. I think a, a, a topic that we, we've sort of slightly touched upon um, beyond the sort of physical infrastructure investment is the role of technology to assist in monitoring and ensuring compliance on on road safety and achieving vision zero and, and obviously technology and innovation in transport is a really big theme and it can be something that helps us it can be something that is seen by some as an obstacle as well and one of the changes that we've seen on city streets in Europe and in the world particularly since the pandemic is the boom in uh, e-bikes and e-scooters and um, I wanted to get your thoughts on what do you perceive the impact is on on helping us achieve or not um, Vision Zero in London? Hmm. Well I think it's it's worth setting out as a baseline that 
um, smaller vehicles, such as e-bikes or e-scooters, pose much, much less of a risk to other people um, than bigger ones. Um, but it is true that electrification means that they can go faster. And, uh, and that in general, this is mostly a risk for their rider, uh, which we definitely should be concerned about. But because they are quiet, it also can be a risk for other vulnerable users. Um, so my thinking on this would be, you know, electric mobility and micromobility, so e-bikes and e-scooters, really has a lot of potential to help people move around the city and avoid using cars um, or bigger vehicles, which which are bigger killers. Um, and, you know, therefore, this is something that should be encouraged. Obviously, we should be encouraged these vehicles to be ridden safely. Um, there's a slightly separate piece in that um, micromobility is increasingly being used for rapid deliveries, uh, some would say instant deliveries. Uh, and there probably is a piece of work to be done there uh, to ensure that the rider incentives are uh, to ensure safety uh, for the delivery person and anyone around them uh, instead of speed uh, and speed of delivery, so safety trumping speed. Um, but kind of zooming out of the micromobility piece, there are several trends um, which are probably increasing risk on roads um, and that may be contributing to the fact that we are progressing more slowly towards vision zero. One of them is the increase in personal deliveries, which means there are more vans uh, and, and lorries on London's roads and roads in cities across the world. So I think it's, it's very much a global trend. Um, and the fact that people also tend to be buying bulkier, bigger cars uh, like SUVs, which are more dangerous to vulnerable users in a collision because uh, they're higher up, so they're more likely to eat, hit you in your upper body. Um, and I think these are probably two focus areas for policy. Uh, so one of them is, do we need those bigger cars? Um, the other one um, is how can we ensure that if we continue to rely on deliveries and it's likely that the trends will continue, um, we avoid um, kind of hours on the road where we know there are a lot of vulnerable users on pedestrian cyclists commuting, for instance, uh, and try to, through retiming, um, kind of avoid these instances where we've got very big vehicles and vulnerable users in the same space. Thanks, Nico. I really like this uh, this zoom out actually to, to to place Vision Zero in the context of the sort of emerging trends in, in transport and urban logistics as well, which, as you, you reminded us, is a is a really big topic. But also going back to the core principles of, of transport planning, where we have that pyramid of users and the hierarchy of modes, where we we place pedestrian walkers and wheelers at the very top of of the user needs and and how that is absolutely fundamental to to achieving um greater safety on on london roads and we'll we'll continue to be talking about um micromobility and and also emerging forms of of transport at our next podcast with um rachel murphy um from como uk joining us um next time no, absolutely. And that will be a, a really interesting one to take this discussion even further. Um, thank you very much for joining us today, Nico. Obviously, safety is such a, a necessary area in all the work we do. And often um, there's sort of a saying that those of us in the engineering team here are safety engineers first with a bit of a highway slant on it, in, in essence. Um, 
And there's obviously, as you've highlighted, a huge amount of different areas and, and input that will be needed for Vision Zero, you know, things like providing safer highways arrangements, filtering certain streets, enabling more cycling, walking, e-mobility, public transport, and, and even the elements you touched upon there in terms of um, deliveries, cargo bikes, things like that. Um, so, yeah, a huge amount to, to be considering on this end to help achieve the goal. Thank you very much to both of you for having me and to the producing team. So we hope that you listening uh, enjoyed the conversation today. We'll be keeping the conversations going on LinkedIn, where you can find us at Momentum Transport Consultancy and Momentum Transport Canada, or follow our podcast to make sure you don't miss any future episodes. From all of us at Conversations in Momentum, it's bye for now, and we'll see you next time.